0: guys. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms podcast. I'm your host, Emily. Today, I'll be having a guest. His name is Julian Espinoza.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure. I've been really excited to join and do a show about this. About nine years ago, I stopped using alcohol. Uh, and so I'm about nine years sober at this point.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a journey and it's been it's been absolutely wonderful. Couldn't have done it without my mentors. Couldn't have done it without good people around me. But uh, yeah.
0: Do you want to tell me a little bit about what it was like to grow up with a mother who had an addiction?
1: I was born and raised here in Los Angeles, California. I grew up with a mother who was a methamphetamine addict. I can date it back. um And it was, it was very weird that I can remember this. I was maybe six, wow. no more than seven. was sitting in the back seat of my mom's Honda Accord. My mom was driving and she was with her friend. I won't name names, but
0: yeah, sure.
1: She uh, and her were were talking. Now imagine a six-year-old and a six-year-old's understanding of the world and relate that to drugs and substances. Mm -hmm. You can probably talk pretty freely, right? About what's going on without them still knowing
0: totally. Oh, I want to go grab a piece of candy. Oh, I need to go pick this up from the store.
1: And so they, they didn't use from what I remember, they didn't use the name. The friend of hers said, Hey, I've had this in my purse for a while. So it's a little crushed up. And then Uh my mom, my mom said, Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So if you had to kind of think back at that time, it was probably cocaine. It probably wasn't meth.
0: Yeah, most likely.
1: But that one phrase when I was six years old That's still lives wild. with me. And yeah. I'm 42 now. Wow. That still lives with me. And I remember that being wrong because they said something about going into the bathroom and doing it. And it's beyond me that a six-year-old could figure that. I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not here to claim that like, I'm some like genius oh,
0: baby thing. genius.
1: Right. But like at six years old,
0: no, yeah. You're very in tune with what was going on around you. That I felt the energy and I, yeah, yeah
1: I felt That's- the energy and I felt something was off. So basically at that point, what happened was, and what was super interesting when I was in third grade, I was eight years old at this mm-hmm. point. I looked at a, uh, nonfiction book and it had like uh, drug paraphernalia in it, so it was showing the different types of drugs. Okay. Uh, so by eight years old, I had seen her pipe. So, okay. so at some at some point, she transitioned from cocaine to methamphetamine, specifically okay. because it's a longer high, uh, and and it's more it's it's cheaper. What happened though when I was in third grade is obviously I only had a certain understanding of the world. I saw it in a book. But the pipe I saw was classified as a crack pipe. Now, if you've seen a crack pipe and you've seen a meth pipe, they actually look rather similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so so for many years, I thought it was crack, crack cocaine. Fast forward a little bit. I tried to confront her when I was 12 and she was able to plausibly deny it because I was 12. Yeah. But by 15, 16, I was I was ready and I knew it was a very selfish manipulative thing that I did. So she had taken my video game world of Warcraft away from me. Okay. And, and that was my own addiction at that time uh, when I was that young and in her efforts to take that away from me um, for God knows what reason I was just probably on the game too much or whatever I was doing or, you know, getting bad grades or whatever. I basically used what I had on her, right. In in a sense, blackmail. And I go, listen, you are a drug user that, you know, she denied for 45 minutes. By the end of it, she gave up. She gave up Because, because of my conviction. I did it for selfish reasons, just so we're clear. So my grandmother was like, well, people make mistakes. And little did I know at this point how much they were aware of her drug habits. So apparently at this point, when I was in That transition between six and eight years old she actually went to rehab for like a week okay so they were aware that she had a drug habit a cocaine Mm -hmm. habit as i got older she she continued to use and and whatever and so on and so forth Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't until i was about 27 where i didn't talk to her for six months I won't go into all of that because it's just a longer story, but basically she did something and it upset me to the point where I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I I'm done talking. Thing. Yeah. Then what happened was I wrote her a letter. I think it was like a three or four page letter, but, but the theme of it was our relationship is no greater than an acquaintance. I guess she had read it once and that, that was it. The week after we talked after six months, she called me and she goes, Hey, I have a problem and I'm ready to get clean. There's some really amazing uh, people I need to thank through this process. My old company, uh, his, the boss's wife, if you will, mm-hmm. um, was uh, worked worked in treatment. She actually worked in admissions. And I had asked, I said, hey, you know, I, I don't know if she's really ready. Can Can you talk to her? Mm-hmm. So not only did she talk to her, they took what would have been probably an exorbitant amount of money and made it accessible for us. It was still a big number, but it was about six times less. And so so they got her in and I was like, look, we could only pay for 30 days. that's all we had and um, and and she got into um, she got into the program. Um, and, uh, and she came out and it was funny. She, she didn't want to leave. She was like, oh, I love this. She wanted to leave in the first week. She was like calling, calling me to
0: pick I up. I feel like that's very normal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> um, I was able to take her to sushi a week after like that week mm-hmm. to kind of make her feel like, Hey, look, I'm here. We're local. Everything's fine. Whatever. And so anyways, for the next three weeks, she was like obsessed and loved it.
0: It's awesome that she has an awesome, awesome support system. It sounds like she's very lucky.
1: Where I am today, nine years sober and all these things, it's like, I have nothing but but to thank her for it. Even though her, her missteps didn't create the most pleasurable childhood, her missteps created who I am today. And I'm, I'm pretty happy about who I am and what I do. And it's kind of like thanking her for her own addiction.
0: And what are some of your healthier habits that are in hobbies that you practice now during your... Journey on recovery.
1: I probably didn't have the healthiest ones right away, but they were healthier than drinking and partying. Right. So I think what I remember is right when I stopped drinking, I, I went kind of deep into back to my video game days. Yeah. What was funny is actually I was still going out and partying. I just wasn't drinking. I moved from one addiction to the next, right? Which which is a step. Like let, let's take these destructive ones, and let's try to find less destructive ones. And then like it's a journey because at some point, like unless you put you're you're purely balanced, like you can consider anything an addiction. I think the big thing is like taking baby steps, right? And 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 doing things that you like. So I liked video games, right. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, I didn't go like, "Oh, all right, let's do uh, video games now," because I'm not drinking. It just sort of evolved into that because I had this energy and I had this space to be able to to use now that I wasn't drinking. And you don't even need to drink that much to realize how much an addiction, or how much drinking takes an effect in terms of your energy and your space. You know, people that drink wine a few times a week or or, or, or don't drink that often, but like are drinking like. If you're drinking on somewhat of a regular basis, it actually is affecting you and you don't know it. But what happens is because I've gone so clean, I can see different things taking effect and and, and being an energy source, right? So like this mental space of drinking, right? It's like, it, it takes up some room in your, in your head space and that's a portion of your head space. So once you clear that cache, Then it opens up for something else, for something you didn't realize. So as an example, when I was in my drinking phase, I didn't have a car. It took me two months of sobriety and I'm like, I need a car. I never needed a car, but then suddenly when I stopped drinking, I needed a car. Like, how did that happen? It's because it cleared some cash for my brain to think in other terms, right? So then that that started happening. After that, it was like, okay, well, now you need to... Um, move out into an, an, an apartment. I wasn't living with my mom, but I was living with my boss. Then from there, it's like, okay, well, now I need to get health sh- health insurance. And little by little, you start building well, this. So. Yeah. So anyways, uh, coming, going back to the world of Warcraft and, 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 and the video game addiction, mm-hmm. I, I was doing that. And then it's probably not until I'd say probably five years later, where I started understanding my habits um, in relation to creating healthy ecosystems around my habits. So what I mean by that is, hey, you play video games. It's okay to play video games. It's okay to you know, numb yourself because that's really what we're doing, right? But creating healthy ecosystems around it, right? And then creating, okay, like, hey, I need to get outside and exercise. So what does that look like? I hate the gym, hate the gym. I know I should go to the gym, but I hate the gym. I just don't like it. So I have to figure out other ways around it. And so mountain biking, I go paintballing, I play pickleball. I And, and you slowly add and you got to figure out what you like and what you don't like. What you're looking to achieve is, is a sense of balance. And balance is a matter of perception because I don't think anyone's got like this gauge like, Oh dude, are they properly balanced? Like, like who who's here to judge a court of public opinion? Like there's no judge of what perfect balance is, but basically balancing your life between work, playtime, your relationships, your exercise. And then the biggest thing, the biggest thing that's underrated is diet. Naturally the body creates serotonin and creates dopamine from diet. Okay. And the reason why a lot of people end up being addicted to God knows whatever you're going to get addicted to is because you're not naturally getting serotonin and dopamine from your diet. For me, that diet has really created a very healthy balance because I get good sleep. When you get good sleep, everything else is better. So then what happens is like, look, When you're not eating well, you're not getting the dopamine. You're not getting the serotonin. You're not sleeping well. You're not feeling well. And you're not feeling good about yourself. And then that leads you back to addiction.
0: Going back to the willpower. Yeah. Your story about whatever that is. All
1: right. So I have a secret superpower that keeps me sober. A year or two after I was sober, I was talking to a... Uh, detox expert. And he's actually considers himself a rapid detox expert. He'll he'll take someone who's suffering from with with, with a drug that has massive withdrawal issues and he will put you under because an anesthesiologist and he will drip you um narcan. Is that right?
0: Yeah
1: it's the life-saving, it's the, the life saving mm-hmm. narcan yep. and yes. he'll drip you narcan over eight to 10 hours, he'll drip you Narcan um, and basically immediately detox you from it. So I was talking to him and and we were talking and, and, and I shared a little bit about my story. And he goes, you're a scaredy cat. He called me, you're a chicken. It's the people that are fearless that relapse. And you know, I sat with that for so many years and I was like, He's right. Because I'm afraid of something. So that was really interesting. And so here's my superpower. My my superpower was a fear. Basically, it, it derives from letting down my family as to who they think I was. Every, you know, my family always propped me up and, 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 thought I was this, this, this person. And really, since I was little, I believed I was destined to do something greater. And so because of that, it was like, oh my God, I can never let my family see me like this ever again. And so what happened was basically after a weekend of uh, just drinking, no other substances, just drinking. Mm -hmm. um, My body was in a completely frail state. I wasn't able to eat a bunch of food. I, I mean, I'm, I was on very low amount of sleep in three days. I was probably on like six hours of sleep in three days Oh my! coming around Monday. I had to go to work. Fine. No problem. <laughs> yeah. At this point I had, um, I woke up and and I was feeling shitty. It was like 10, 10 30. And I went, uh, to the gas station as I do and grabbed the red bull, the red bull, set my body and my mind into overdrive. So this shot of caffeine in such a weakened state set me into a really a chemically induced anxiety attack. And basically my my body was such in a frail state that I was out of control. I was walking around, I was pacing and I was talking about the universe. I was talking about satellites. I was talking about um, God, the earth, everyone was very worried. And basically because I was calling so many people, my mom, my dad, my uncle, all like from far away, all, all drove, all drove to come see me. Like it was enough to ev- that everyone stopped what they were doing kind
0: of raise the alarms a little bit. Okay. Okay. What's going on here? Let's... So
1: then they, they call like something happened and, and they basically called an ambulance. Um, what mm-hmm. I mean by something is like either my mom talked to one of my coworkers or whatever, and I was taken and they, and they, I don't know what they dripped me with, um, but they dripped me with something that called me down. The psych team evaluated me. Mm-hmm. Um, was I hearing voices? And I'm like, nah, I wasn't hearing my voices. Any, I think I was just, I was just fuck, fucked up. <laughs> and, and so I chilled out. And so basically my fear and my secret power is I'm scared. I fear feeling like that and I fear letting people down. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the first level. Now, After you've been sober for long enough, the question then becomes, Okay, I know I could pick up some alcohol. I know I could pick it up and I know I could drink it. Right. And Mm -hmm. and not feel that way. So I know if I had one beer, I wouldn't feel that way. Right. Like, obviously, it's Mm -hmm. it's where I got to because of the drinking. So then the question is, so then how do I keep myself completely sober from not just picking up a beer and just having a beer every once in a while? One thing is I know myself and I take things to the extreme. So I'll have one beer and we'll just keep pounding them. We'll just keep pounding them. The big thing that now keeps me completely sober is when I look back at what sobriety has given me and what I've been able to give back to the world, Mm -hmm. it's almost a sense of responsibility to myself and the universe to not drink. Because again... You can drink like people can drink responsibly, but I will say I have an insane amount of clarity in my day to day. And, you know, so you've heard things like spirituality, groundfulness, being grounded, putting your feet on the ground and Mm -hmm. spirituality. And I balance. I, I don't go that hardcore that down, but I clean my body as much as I can. And I eat really fucking well at that point why have an al- a piece of alcohol because then i won't be able to think the way i need to be able to think
0: anything else for me today julian
1: um basically all the things that eventually lead to addiction are are these things right it's like our our perception of where we should be in our life our perception of how things should be going what people think about us you know all these like unhealthy habits, mental habits, eventually lead you down to these other paths, right? Um, right. So, you know, for me, the, the best piece of advice was not for that, that how it worked for me is just work on one thing at a time. Like, let's just like this month or the next two months, let's focus on getting a car. Like, let's get your driver's license. And mm-hmm. just worry about that. Once you got that, then you get the car. After you get the car, let's go get you some health insurance. Cool. Yeah. Now that's figured out. Got it. Let's get mm-hmm. you an apartment. Boom. Got an apartment. Now let's get you, uh, let, 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 let's start having you cook meals at home. Okay. Maybe you're not making the best meals, but that's okay. You start a year later, you're making more culinary, uh, uh, diverse meals. And it's like, okay, okay. Let's worry about getting this next job. Got it. Um, how can I start now, now that I'm in a, in a healthy place, and I've taken care of myself and the oxygen masks on, how mm-hmm. can you give back? How can yeah. you help? your community. How can you support your community? My passion project is helping high school and college students to become career ready. So I literally go with high school students, help them with their resumes, with their LinkedIn profiles and help them get internships that lead to jobs.
0: Wow. Um, that's incredible.
1: Yeah. Some of my interns have gone on to like intern at NASA and Hyperloop and some,
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Of like the coolest companies. So like, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's that's, that's how I give back. I'm also doing stuff with COVID stuff right now, but I won't mm-hmm. go into that. But the point is, it's like, once you take care of yourself, how do you start contributing into the world and seeing the world as a bigger picture from the moment I stopped drinking to, you know, nine years later where I am today didn't happen overnight. It was a process. It was conversations. It was mentorship. It was working on myself, thinking about the tough stuff, challenging myself, moving to the next thing, taking a couple steps back to take yeah. a couple steps forward, you know, and then still figuring it out. Cause guess what? I don't have it figured the fuck out.
0: No one has it figured the fuck out. We're just, and that's the secret day to life. By day.
1: The secret to life is no one has it figured out. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Thank you for coming. It was so great to connect and meet you. I look forward to doing a part two. So this was Julian. He was on In Layman's Terms podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you. And we'll talk next time.
1: Later, guys.